<laughs> Praise God. Well, we're praying about uh, this new year, and we had a prophetic uh, words that have come forth uh, on Wednesday night service. Uh, about this prophetic, uh, God declared for us to declare and come under uh, this anointing, this powerful prophetic anointing that God has for us—a breakthrough anointing—and uh, and I'm I'm just committed to lead each and every one of you into the full breakthrough that God has for you in every area of your life this year. And uh, so, in my time of prayer, I just uh, kept getting from the Lord over and over. If it's not in proper alignment. Uh, the further you get into this year, the further away you're going to be away from the promise, away from the fulfillment, away from his purpose and destiny that we've got to get into proper alignment. And, and it goes, my mind goes back to when we were teenagers, we didn't have all these uh, uh, games and gaming systems and things like that. We did, which is probably unheard of today, but we did something called going in the backyard and playing. And... Um, I don't know if that's something that's ever done anymore, but we'd go in the backyard and play, and my brother's a year older than I, and we would got around horsing around and, and, and wrestling one time, and he got me like a T-bone, but he was bending me backwards across his back. He had his one arm under my chin and one around my legs, and he's bending me backwards, and something popped in my neck, and fire went through my eyes, and pain came, and I passed out. And uh, then he's slapping me, trying to wake me up so mama don't catch us because he didn't want uh, a switching, you know. He's like, and I wake up with that pain and him slapping me. Wake up, brother, wake up. Mama's coming, wake up. And uh, so I, I definitely had abuse growing up and I'm still working through it. Any counselors want to commit <laughs> to helping me out? But, uh, and, and from that, I learned that as I got a little older and I was working in a store, a grocery store, and I was stocking some 50-pound bags of field trial dog food. I don't even know if they make that brand anymore. And as I was putting it on the shelf, that same fire and pain came back, and I almost passed out. And one of the workers that was working there saw me staggering, and he came over, and he's like, what's wrong, what's wrong? And, and, and I told him, you know, what had happened. So he takes me to the manager, and the manager said, you need to go to the doctor. And I go to the doctor, and the doctor says, you need a chiropractor. So it so happened that Dr. Fox was right across the street from this grocery store that I worked at, and I would take my lunch break and go over to see Dr. Fox, and she would work on me, and, and she took the x-rays, and she saw I was out of alignment. And uh, she, and she was started teaching me about the power of proper alignment. And uh, that you get everything aligned here, your nerves will function properly, nothing's pinched, nothing's being hindered, but uh, we've got to work in getting it back in place and muscles build up and also it'll stay in place. So you're going to need to keep coming back over and over. And I, I did that and praise God, it got fixed. Hallelujah. Thank the Lord for that. Uh, I, so maybe some of you can't uh, identify with that, uh, but maybe you can identify with knowing someone who had to get braces. Uh, the before picture of braces, the teeth can be out of alignment, and, uh, but they have a way with the orthodontist, they can take and put the wires on there and slowly, it can't be done overnight, but slowly bringing things back into proper alignment and getting your bite just right and, and, and it looks so much better as well and it's just an amazing thing what proper alignment will do. Maybe you can't identify with uh, the neck or the spine or the teeth, but maybe you've had tires on your car before. 
and uh, part of the tire looked still new and you could still get some miles out of it, but you had to go into your pocket and spend money to replace the tire because part of it had worn out and because that small part was worn out, it was dangerous and you had to get some new tires. But if that mechanic had any sense at all, they would tell you that you can get your new tires, but they will end up just like this if we don't align your front end. And they need to do a proper alignment on your vehicle so that it is flowing without the resistance, without the stress, and without uh, that, that wear that will come in, that, in this way and take you out uh, and have to keep spending money on new tires. All of this happens when we're out of alignment. And I believe the Lord was saying to me to say to you, let us make sure that we are uh, going into proper alignment with his word, with his spirit, what he is saying to us, so that as we travel through this year, we cannot have any resistance, we won't have any wear and tear, unnecessary stress, unnecessary anxiety, and we can flow into the fullness of what he has for us. So one of my responsibilities as your pastor is to help bring us into biblical alignment and that's from the pulpit to the pew. I mean, that has to be in my life as well as your life. First, it has to be in my life or I'm not even in the right place to be able to share this with you. So this is something I've been eating on and praying about and making sure it was in proper alignment in my own life so that I could have the liberty and the anointing of God to share it with you this morning. So we're going to look at some first things that the Bible talks about because they are the first things that we need to get into proper biblical alignment. Now, God is a God of first fruit. This is something he said, the first fruit belongs to me. If you will honor me with the first fruit, I will bless and sanctify and prosper the rest. So if you want God's blessing on anything in your life, you make sure that the first fruit belongs to him. That is proper alignment. So that's why we're going to look at several first things that the Bible says should be priority in our life. We're starting Matthew 22, 36, where they come to Jesus and they say, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind. This is the first. It is the first. I know the second is like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. But we're looking at first today because we want to get our a proper alignment, and that is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, to love the Lord. This is the first and great commandment, and this aligns your heart. So if we're going to serve God this year and truly let the issues of life flow out of the heart, from the heart flows the issues of life, if our life is going to demonstrate bringing glory and honor to God in every area of our life, we have to have our hearts properly aligned. And how do we do that? We, we, we yield to the commandment, the great commandment, the, the first commandment that he gives to us in the New Testament, and that is to love God with all of our heart, all of our soul, all of our mind. Now, the Pharisees were coming out of the Old Testament mindset where they took the Ten Commandments. There were ten laws, and they built 613 laws around them. They were adding to. They were making it difficult. They were making it complicated. They were bringing a lot of confusion in. And now here they're trying to do the same with Jesus, and Jesus simplifies it, cuts to the core, and he says the first and the greatest commandment is this, that you love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And that brings proper alignment of the heart, which activates our passion. 
And I'm praying for Christian Embassy and everyone that's a part of our, our world out there through the internet and Facebook and the radio. I'm calling all of you that we would be passionate servants of the Lord Jesus Christ this year. Not passive servants of God, but passionate servants of God. Because passion is what mo motivates us to action. And this world needs a demonstration of the presence and power of God. And if this world's going to see a demonstration of the presence and power of God, there needs to be some action from the people of God. And it is what passion is what motivates action. And passion comes from a commitment in that love relationship. We need to put God first. We need to tell Him we love Him every day. Don't be like that guy that was married for 50 years and they said, you know what? Uh, the kid said, Dad, we have never heard you tell Mama you love her. We've never heard it come out of your mouth. He said, I told her 50 years ago when we got married. I love her. And if I ever change my mind, I'll let her know. We don't want to be like that with the Lord. We need to tell God every day we love Him. We need to tell God how much He means to us. We need to get our heart properly aligned in every day so that we can have that passion uh, come forth out of that which would motivate us into action. The second one we want to look at is Matthew 6 and 33 where Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all this stuff. What stuff? If you were to read the verses prior to that, houses, land, clothes, food, the stuff that most people are pursuing and running after. He said, no, pursue me. Seek me first, and my kingdom, my righteousness, and then I'll get involved in adding this stuff to you. And when the blessings of the Lord come, they come without sorrow. None of us want to have the blessing, or, or look like a blessing in our life, to where there's wealth and increase, but yet it comes with sorrow. We lose our family. We lose our health. We lose our integrity for the dollar. No! God says, I have a way to bless you, and it comes without sorrow. Hallelujah. You can enjoy it. Your family can enjoy it. The generations to come, as you will leave an inheritance for your children and your children's children, be able to help those that are in need around you. He says, my, my, the way I bless you is without sorrow. So when we seek God's kingdom first, it helps align our priorities. We get our priorities right. We know why we're doing what we do. We know why we're saying what we say. We know why we're giving what we give because it's about the kingdom of God. It's about the kingdom of God. Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Another place he says, I'm coming back for my church. Hallelujah. We want to be a part of the church that the Lord Jesus Christ is building and it's coming against the gates of hell. We want to be a part of the mighty plan of God. We do that by getting our priorities in proper alignment. How do we do that? We seek first every day the kingdom of God and His righteousness. Amen? We got to get out of this me first mentality and get into a kingdom first mentality. Not a me first, but a kingdom first. Because first things have to do with timing, rank, and priorities. And here, this is the alignment of priorities that we need to look at. And then the third one that we want to look at this morning is to honor God with your first fruits. We talked about that in opening the service and the importance of this first Sunday as we gather together on this first day of the week for this first part of the year. First fruits is so important to God. And God said, I want you, I mean, he talks about it in Proverbs 3 and 9, that we should even honor the Lord with our possessions. Did you know that? We're to honor God with our possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. 
So as he increases you this year, he wants you to honor him with the first fruit. So your barns will be filled. He wants you to be, he doesn't want to take from you. He wants to give to you. He wants to release the blessing on you. Your vats will overflow with new wine. Nothing rotting and decaying and causing destruction, but new, new, fresh. Hallelujah. It's what God wants to do for you. But you've got to honor him with your possessions. And that helps you align your money. There's a demonic force, a huge demonic force called the spirit of mammon that wants to come on your money. Wants that he wants you to welcome him in through greed and welcome him in because you think that money belongs to you. God says, I have a way to rebuke the devourer. I have a way to get that demon spirit off of the resources that come into your life, the possessions that come into your life, and that is through the tithe. Now, the first fruit of the tithe is not just giving God 10% uh, that he has said, but to giving him the first 10%. That's the first fruit, not just, I paid all my bills, I got enough left here, here you go, God. He wants the first. So, so we honor him with the first fruit of our possessions, and God said, if you'll honor me with the first fruit, I'll bless, I'll sanctify, and I will show you my mighty work in the rest. So much so that God gives us a challenge. Only one place in the Bible, he says, I want you to try me in this. Test me in this. That if you'll bring the whole tithe into my storehouse, he says that I will not rebuke the devourer. He'll rebuke that spirit of mammon. He'll rebuke that spirit of poverty off of your life. And he says, I'll open the windows of heaven and pour out blessing on you that you cannot even contain. Hallelujah. See, God is serious about this. He is serious about this. So don't, want you, don't be giving this year just out of, out of a duty. That's not, that's not what you've you got to give out of faith. You've got to give out of coming in alignment with God's word, saying, God, you, you're, this is your money. The, the possessions belong to you. I'm nothing but, but a steward of this. And to keep that spirit of, of, uh, 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 that comes in to devour and brings money hole, uh, holes in my money bag off of my life, I'm going to honor you, not with just the tithe that you talked about, the, the first fruit. He says, you, God, you give me $10, that first dollar is yours because I know where my source is. It's you. Hallelujah. And God wants to fill your barns and God wants to give you fresh and new blessing every day. Then there's a fourth one we're looking at. It says that they assembled together on the first day. Acts 20 and 7. Now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul, ready to depart the next day, spoke to them and continued his message until midnight. So we're going to take this as a sermon text that we can biblically say that I can preach till midnight tonight and you guys have got to stay with me. <laughs> no, we're not, we're, not, we're not going to talk about that part of the verse tonight because, uh, today because I'm not leaving like Paul left. He had to get it all in. I'll be here, Lord willing, I'll be here Wednesday night. Lord, If he doesn't take us home, you know, we'll be here next Sunday as well. So we'll spread it out. I won't stay to keep you till midnight because I don't believe any of you brought a biscuit or a piece of chicken or anything to tide you over. But the first part of that verse, now on the first day of the week, when the disciples came together, they came together to break bread and then to hear the preaching of the word of God and teaching of God's word. Let me tell you what, God is a God of first fruit. In the new covenant that he's given us, which is a better covenant, Hebrews 7 and 8 says, than any covenant of all of the Old Testament, it is given to us by a better high priest. That is Jesus Christ as our high priest. It is signed and sealed with better blood, since not the blood of animals, but the blood of the sinless Son of God. In this covenant is a covenant of first fruit priority that God loves so much that he raised his son from the dead on the first day of the week. 
And from that day forward, the Christians began to meet together on the first day of the week, a first fruit day, as they gathered together on Sundays to give God the glory, honor, and praise, and to fellowship, and to study God's Word. Hallelujah. And this brings forth proper alignment with the body of Christ. Because none of us were created to be individualistic. We are not that way. You have gifts that I don't have. You have talents that I don't have. I may have gifts that you don't have. And God's put us all together. As Paul said, some a finger, some a toe, some a knee. Not one better than the other. All are necessary for the body of Christ to function. That's God's plan. So the body of Christ needs you and the way we come together and learn together and fellowship and we use our gifts and we use our talents, we, we have to do it in community. So we need that proper alignment with the body of Christ. So he tells us to assemble together on the first day. Then the fifth one we want to look at is he said, first take the beam out of your own eye. Uh-oh, getting a little personal here. In Matthew chapter 7, Jesus said, Judge not, lest you be judged, for with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you used, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at a plank, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First, remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's uh, eye. This is an alignment of attitude. And let me tell you what, if we ever need to keep watch on an uh, area of our life, that is our attitude. Because a, a stinking attitude will hinder your altitude. I've seen it in business. I've seen it in family relationships. I've seen it in service to the Lord. A bad attitude grounds you and keeps you at a low altitude. God wants your attitude to align itself with Him, His heart, His desire, and His purpose. And He tells us that before you go finding fault with somebody else, you need to become a little more worried about... Uh, before you get all anxious and worried about somebody else and their sin and their shortcomings and their missteps, he can get all hot and bothered about them. He said, first, 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 take care of yourself. Take care of yourself. Now, I look for an image with a, a, a guy with a pole in his eye, but the only ones I saw were where an actual pole went through someone's eye and the brains was everywhere. And I said, no, we're not going to do that because we'll be leaving here and going and eating lunch and I don't want to ruin anybody's appetite. So, uh, but this, this uh, definitely draws the picture of uh, us, how God sees it when there's things in our life we need to deal with first. So how about push on somebody? Just come on, take a minute, push on somebody and say, mind your own business. Just mind your own business. You know, I'm giving you freedom to say that right now. Just to take a little, take that freedom, take advantage. You say, you need to mind your own business. Get the plank out of your eye. Leave the speck alone in my eye for a little while. <laughs> We'll enjoy that for a little bit, okay. One of the keys to wisdom and relationship is knowing what to overlook. You'd be amazed at how many people don't know how to overlook some things. I'm telling you, we will make a big deal out of a small thing. You ever met that person in the mirror? Okay. You, you make a big deal out of something that maybe really doesn't matter, a big deal out of something that's just a big deal to you. And if you've ever spent any time trying to help couples, like I've tried over the last 30 plus years, uh, I've taken notes, and let me tell you what, I could write a bestseller, Dumb Things Couples Fight About. 
And it would be more of a comedy book than it would be anything else. It is absolutely amazing. I had one man said, I'm ready to get a divorce. That's a 15-year nightmare. I'm ready to get out of it. But, you know, I don't believe the Bible supports my divorce. But so I think I'll just kill her and God will forgive me. And I said, do what? Do I need to report this to the authorities? He's like, well, won't God forgive me of murder? I mean, I see where that's taking place, but maybe he won't forgive me of divorce. So I'll just kill her and, and ask for forgiveness. I said, it don't work that way. It don't work that way. Oh, my goodness. And then I said, what is it she has done? That deserves such a, you know, mindset. And then he started telling me some of the silliest stuff. Just the silliest stuff. Let me tell you what. There's great proverbial wisdom in knowing you've got to overlook some things. You've got to overlook some things. People are not like you. And just because they're not like you, don't make them wrong. Don't make them bad. Okay? It, their, their thing that is not like you, other people might like better than that thing that you thought. If they were like you, they would be liked by more people. Oh, help me, Lord. You just got to learn that when you come into biblical alignment, when you first focus on the beam that is in your eye, it helps align your attitude and you start dealing with your own issues before striking out at someone else and condemning someone else and judging someone else. I mean, it amazes me how, much, how we're such pros at telling someone else how to fix their life. I mean, we meet them for five minutes and we say, well, here's what you need to do. Here's how you need to raise your kids. Here, and guess what? You tell them how to raise their kids. And that wasn't even their kids. They brought their, their neighbor's kids to church with them. And here you all, all prophetic, telling them this is how you need to raise your kids. Come on now. We got to be careful. There we got this log hanging out of our eye and we're pointing. No wonder we can't see clearly. I say it this way. We have to learn how to absorb other people's humanity. I didn't say ungodliness. I didn't say sinful. They're humanity. And we all got some. Look at somebody next to you and say, I know he's talking about you. You got some humanity. I smell it. No, no, okay. We're all in this together, amen? So we, y'all stop now. <laughs> First, take the beam out of your eye. Get your attitude properly aligned. And then the next one is first, be reconciled. Kind of follows right along with that to bring alignment to your relationships. Uh, Jesus said, whoever is angry with his brother without a call shall be in danger of judgment. And whoever says to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way. First, 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 be reconciled. Be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Again, this is the alignment of relationships uh, is so very, very important. Uh, it is possible for you to be in such a place of unforgiveness and bitterness and strife and hostility to where your offerings are doing no good for you before the Lord. But please know what Jesus said now. He didn't say if you got ought against someone or if they have ought against you that you should not give. That's not what he said. He actually said, leave the gift on the altar. Okay, don't even take that gift back with you. Leave it on the altar. Then go first, be reconciled. Then come and offer the gift to the Lord. Brings a proper alignment with relationships. Let me tell you what, relationships are so very, very important. God made relationships a primary need in our creative being. God, relationships are so important to God 
that God says without relationships, you will not even be able to function as, as, as normal human beings. I know the study was done with the untouched children in Romania and uh, in, in those orphanages, and there was food provided, there was water provided, there was housing provided, but there was no nurture. There were more orphans and there were helpers and these children had no one to hold them and no one to talk to them and no one to love on them. And guess what? They all grew up mentally deformed because they did not have that relationship connection. I I remember meeting uh, Pastor Radika when I first met her and learned that she's from Romania. And we'd started three years before that with missions to Romania. And I thought, how cool is this? We sow into Romania and now I'm, I'm reaping from Romania. This is pretty cool, you know. And, uh, and she was telling us, telling us about uh, her youth group, and we just had a reunion with them this summer uh, in, after 26 years. I got to meet that youth group. They're all a lot older now. Okay, we'll just leave it at that. And, uh, and they're still talking about how they would go into orphanages as part of their ministry and just hold these kids and just talk to these kids and love on these kids just to show them the love of God. I know some of them are probably normal human beings today because that, that they were willing to go in there every week and, and to build on the relationships there. God created us for relationships. They did a study of the brain and they said, what does the brain need to properly function? And they thought it would be a list of it, all these intricate things, but they basically, basically three things they found. The brain has to have oxygen. The brain has to have glucose or, or, or nutrition. And it has to have relationships for it to properly function. It's got to have oxygen and it's got to have the glucose, but it will not function properly without relationships. God is a God of relationships. And, and, and it starts with a relationship with Him. But he says, how can you tell people you love me whom you can't see when you won't love the people you can see? So we need an alignment of our relationships and the way we do that is first being reconciled, knowing that there's going to be challenges in our racial relationships, knowing that there's going to be uh, setbacks and there's going to be differences, but we got to work through those, making it priority to be reconciled with them. I mean, we bring in TV repairmen, we bring in uh, house, house repairmen, Maytag repairmen, washer-dryer repairmen, computer repairmen, uh, mechanics that come in and repair. We think about repairmen for everything, but for some reason or other, we don't think that we need to work on our relationships, that they're just supposed to happen. Let me tell you what, if, 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 it's, if it's squeaking, it needs some oil. If, if something's loose, you need to get in there and work on tightening it up because we have to work on our relationships as well. And then finally, I'm going to give you the seventh one. We could have went through 70 probably, but we're going to wrap it up with this one uh, in Matthew 12 and 29. Or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first, first bind the strong man? So Jesus said we got to first bind the strong man. And this is an alignment of your authority. And going into 2019, as we aligned our attitude and as we aligned our relationships and as we aligned our finances, we aligned all these things with God, you got to now lead the way with the authority that Jesus Christ has given you. You have to bring alignment to your authority. You can't be passive and just say, if God wants it, it'll happen. God says, I put you at the head of the pack. I put you on earth. I've given you my name that is above every name. I've given you my blood that will come against 
against every unrighteousness. I've given you my word. I've given you my Holy Spirit. I need you to expand my kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I taught you how to pray that prayer. Now I want you to walk it out. Hallelujah. So don't be passive. Get an attitude about what the enemy has taken from you. Somebody, I, I want to stir somebody up and make you mad. I'm telling you, I want to make you mad. I want you to get so mad that you get passionate and get all stirred up about it and realize that, you know what, you have the power and the authority to take back what the enemy has taken from you. But you got to first bind the strong man. Then you can take out of that house, that storage building of what he's been holding of yours, you can take it back in the name of Jesus. you got to just get this picture in your mind that the enemy has built a house on you. He has built his life on you. On you. He has a storage unit with your stuff in it. I'm telling you, your name is right there over the door. And he just keeps coming in and taking and taking and taking. He's taking your joy. He's taking your health. He's taking your wealth. He's taking your relationships. He's taking your years. He's taking your time. He's taking your productivity. He's taking your money. He's come to steal, kill, and destroy. And he's going to keep doing it in 2019. And he's going to love doing it. And he's going to love just ravaging and taking everything that he can but I'm telling you if we can get a proper alignment to our authority and say wait a minute I gotta I gotta first bind that strong man he's no longer gonna have a, a freedom to do what he wants to do in my life he no longer can use my name and my stuff at his will it's time for me to rise up and I can't do that for you and no one else can do that for you you have to do that for yourself and Jesus said, if you want your stuff back, the first thing you got to do is bind the strong man. You got to get an attitude that this enemy that's been working against you, he can be bound. Jesus said he can be bound. You have the authority to bind him in the name of Jesus by the blood of the Lamb, by the Word of God, and by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you what, you have the power. And if he's robbed you of a prophetic word, or if he's robbed you of precious years from your life, or if he's robbed you of godly relationships, let me tell you what, he's a thief, and you just can't sit back and let this continue. You've got to get an attitude right now that says, wait a minute, I'm going to align my authority with the authority God has given me, and I'm going to put a stop to it in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, we were in New York City this uh, summer, and we were there, and the traffic was horrific, and we are trying to get through an intersection, had a green light, but uh, we, we looked down and there was a guy, he probably, it was amazing that they had him at that intersection, all these big vehicles, and he probably was about 5'4", maybe 5'3", five, 5'4", five, little, little guy there, and, uh, and he's standing there blowing a whistle, and it's green light, but he's telling us we had to stop. And uh, there's this big semi-truck beside us. And I reckon they wanted to make a right turn. It's green. They needed to get through the tunnel. They had a destination and, and a time limit. I don't know. But they, they juiced it to go. I mean, they gave it some uh, acceleration. And that guy stood in front of that, blowed that whistle and put his glove up. And he and basically he didn't say a word. He just blew his whistle and looked at that guy, stared him down. And you heard the rubber drag. The guy, that, that 10,000 pounds plus of, of a vehicle... By this little short guy, he puts him to stop because that guy had the authority of New York City behind him. 
Probably even had the authority of New York State behind him. I'm telling you why. And he knew his position of authority. And he said, it doesn't matter the stature that I have. The authority I have is taller than I am. The authority that I have is greater than I am. And I stand in that authority. And you're going to stop. And let me tell you what. The guy stopped dragging rubber on the road, okay? And I was so impressed. And Pastor Rodrigo was like, you see that? You see that? That is awesome. That is awesome. He knows his authority. You know what? you got to get yourself pictured like that. You have the authority. And in 2019, you ought to make up your mind. I'm putting a stop to what the devil's been doing in my family and doing in my health and doing in my wealth and doing in my life. And I'm going to get my stuff back. I'm coming back after it. I'm not throwing in the towel. I'm not just going to accept it, that it's a loss. Because let me tell you what, the moment you start accepting it, it just accepting you're going to have a bad marriage, just accepting you're going to have crazy kids, just accepting then you're going to always live in debt. Just accepting that you're never going to build your dream house. Just accepting that you're going to live with that pain and that limitation the rest of your life. The enemy knows he can keep coming in and taking and taking and laugh at you. Somebody ought to get an attitude and say, I'm coming back. I'm coming back. We can be happy. We can have joy in our life. We can have a good marriage. We can have a good life. Our kids can serve the Lord. Hallelujah. And you may not get it all back the first day, but let me tell you what, you didn't lose it all in one day, but you've got to make your determination. I'm getting it back in the name of Jesus. The Bible says if the thief be found, he must return sevenfold. So you can say seven times it's coming back in the name of Jesus. Bind the, fir- the strong man first. First, bind the strong man. Bring an alignment to your authority. Hallelujah. So those are, those are seven that I wanted to give you this morning. Uh, proper alignment. That you, You'll get these in proper alignment. You're not going to wear out 2019. You're not going to wear out the tire of your life and get a short shortness of life out of it. You're going to be able to flow without resistance. You're going to be able to move into that prophetic word. You're going to be able to move into all God has for you. But let's make this first in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me, please? Father God, as we stand in your presence, we thank you. We thank you again for your word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for what you have done and what you're doing right now. And Holy Spirit, I believe you're saying to this body and those that are watching by internet and video and those that are listening by radio that we need to first, first, love you, Lord God, with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Maybe there's someone here. Maybe someone's tuned in. Maybe someone's listening. Maybe you veered off of the path. Something has gotten you off of the path of righteousness, and you're not serving the Lord. You're not loving on God. You're not, he, he's not first in your life. Or maybe you've never made Him first in your life. We're born in sin. We're born sinners, and we're born fallen. And we have to make a decision to repent and to turn from that wicked way of life, turn from that self-centered way of life to turn to you, God. Maybe you're here this morning and you've never repented. You've never asked God to forgive you and turn your life over to Him. You can do that on this first Sunday of this first day of the week of this new year that we're in. And you can say this morning, Jesus, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. The Bible says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you call on his name now? Come on, church, let's just pray together. You don't never know the person that's beside you, in front of you, or behind you, maybe making an eternal decision right now. 
pray. Pray, God, have your way. Holy Spirit, have your way. And if you're here today and you say, you know, I want to make things right between me and God. I want to turn my life over to God. I, maybe you've strayed away. I want to come back. Or maybe you've never made that commitment. And you say, I want to make that commitment today. Going into this year, I want to serve the Lord. I want to love Him with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. I want to obey this command. You're willing to do that right now. The Bible says that everyone who believes that God has raised Jesus from the dead and confesses with their mouth that Jesus is now their Lord, that they've surrendered all to Him, shall be saved. Maybe you need to make that confession right now. And if that is your confession, that Jesus Christ is the Lord of your life and you want Him to know that you're not ashamed of Him, that you're going to serve Him from this day forward and you accept Him as you ask Him to forgive you of your sins and to come and be seated on the throne of your heart or maybe you're coming back to Him. That's you. I just want you to raise your hand and say, Pastor, pray with me this year. I want you to remember me as we go into this year that I'm putting Jesus first. I'm not going to live life unto myself. I want to serve God all the days of my life. Maybe I've strayed, but I'm coming back. Or maybe I've never made this commitment and I'm making it now. But Pastor, I want you to remember me in your prayers. Just raise your hand. Just raise your hand. Hallelujah. Yes, Lord. Yes. Yes, Lord. I see those hands. Thank you, Lord. Oh, I see what you're doing in the hearts of your people, Lord. Yes, I see those hands. Praise you, Lord. Praise you. Praise you, God. Lord God, more than my eyes see in these hands, you see them and you see their heart. And Lord God, from one end of this sanctuary to the other, their hands representing, uh, Lord God, a desire to press in and make you first. And Lord God, we do that right now. Let's pray together. Just repeat this after me. Father God, I come to you now in Jesus' name. I put you first. I commit myself to love you with all of my heart, with all of my soul, with all of my mind, with all of my strength. You are first. I am here to live for you, to serve you, to honor you, to worship you, and to be used by you to advance your kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. From this moment on, I give you my heart. I give you my life. For it is in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give God some praise here this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.